Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. How y'all doing? I'm so happy to be here. I'm, I'm probably pretty pretty much too excited to be here because I hadn't gotten to, to bring the word of the Lord here in a while. And so y'all just have to excuse me if I get a little giddy. Um, Barbara sends her wishes. She said that she may not be able to be here. She's feeling a little under the weather. So she um, um, is not able to be here today. So y'all continue to pray for her and just lift her up. So... Everybody just kind of, man, this, I've got to get used to this again, so I've got to say something weird. <laughs> Go ahead and tell somebody they look good. <laughs> Ralph, Janet, y'all looking awesome today. I got me some. Yeah, all the ladies, y'all are just looking beautiful and wonderful. Carlton, you looking awesome back there, buddy. So, so happy to be able to, to get to be here today. Hey, we're the Dream Center Church, and just just let you know that we have a vision to see our communities transformed by the gospel through loving, serving, sharing, and sending. And um, our relate we're relational. That's one of our core values is relationships. So we the mission is that we would see lives changed through a relationship with God and others. And it's that simple. So we we want to be in relationship. So having lives changed to be in a relationship with God and others. And today, um, as we were just getting back into the saddle and, and, and being able to bring the word, it, over the month that I was off, I, I told you all a little bit last week that God really hit my heart that we don't pray enough. That as a leader, I'm not, I'm not instructing and being an example of a leader that is covering everything in prayer. And, you know, when you think about prayer, prayer gets thrown out there, and, and, I, and, and I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but sometimes I think that prayer is used. Okay, so let's, let's, let's take college football. Is there any Alabama fans in the – so y'all didn't pray hard enough if you are Alabama fans. But, but it, it, think about it. If you ever watched um, college football, and it is a very close game, and they're in the last minute, the two minutes. And the camera always generally finds, and it's usually a girl they find. And she'll have a tear or she'll have this anxiety. And she'll have her hands clasped together and they're praying. And, and, and then you'll, you'll see the, the, the football players over there. And, and man, they, maybe, they, maybe they should be praying because they've done gotten their butts whipped one way or another. They're hurting. They're in pain. And they're praying. And then and, and if it's a, a two-point game or a one-point game or a three-point game, you always see the field goal kicker and I've always wondered what he's praying is he praying that he gets the opportunity is he praying that he doesn't get the opportunity because that's a lonely job is it not to be able to be caught out there with all this fight and all this battle and in the last seven seconds whether you make this ball go through these sticks is unfortunately what you're going to kind of have your identity be for the next couple three weeks so that's one way we see praying, you know, and, and I think that, you know, you always talk about I, I'm not quite old enough to understand conventional wars of the Vietnam and the Korean War, but they always said if you had a person that was your buddy in a foxhole, if they were an atheist or if they weren't a person of faith, that generally in a right battle they always kind of found it. <laughs> so they would start praying. So there are certain things that can make us pray. And... Um, so, so I wanted to talk a little bit about prayer today and, 
And just um, as a church, you know, if somebody wants to shout something out and we want to be interactive, um, this is something that, that God really, really is interested in, right? It, it, it's, it's something that we speak about a lot, but I don't know if we truly understand the depth of being a praying church, being a praying individual, being a praying community. So let me pray and let the Holy Spirit just take over and God have his way. And we're going to have a good time and we're going to learn. We're going to learn something today, okay? So let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for being patient with us, Heavenly Father. God, we, we know that you are in control. So, Father, today as we go to your word, would you let your word just transform us from the inside out? Let our mind understand what you're doing in our heart. And let that come and be a part of our lives. Father, we just give you all the praise and all of the honor and all of the glory for what you are doing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, a couple... Three different kinds of prayer. So you got prayers of, of imprecation. Oh, that's a big word for Paul. But what does it mean? Here's, here's, the, here's, the gist, here's Paul's version. It's a prayer asking for mercy. That's a prayer asking for mercy. Prayers of intercession. What is that? What is it is if we intercede? What's a prayer of intercession? Praying for someone else, right? Asking God to show mercy on others. Then we have prayers of supplication. What is that? What is that doing? Supplication is that we're asking God for help. So think about those. We're going to hit them again right at the end. So we have the, 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 the three different prayers that we're going to even be talking a little bit about today. Imprecation, intercession, and supplication. And how that may be. So when we're talking about that, think about even as we're moving forward today. Ask God to reveal to you what your prayer life looks like. That, I think that's the, the big overarching thing that God wanted to ask me to speak on today is to let us all become aware of how my prayer life looks, how your prayer life looks, and then let God grow us through being more in line with what he wants to do, okay? So why do we pray? And um, this, this um, passage a little bit is the passage that God led me to to talk about imprecation a little bit. And, it, and it's Jesus speaking about the broken relationships, and he's there to try to see relationships restored. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow me or if you just want to follow up on the screen, we're going to go to Matthew 26. So we go to Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 39. I'm going to move over just a touch. Let me move over here because we need more people on this side of the room. Ta-da. So Matthew 26 through 39 says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, 
If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. So what's happening there? So if, if you know the, the story, um, this is getting close to the time when Jesus was going to be arrested, right? So he knows that the time is drawing near for what he had showed up on this earth to do. Out of his love, he is going to go to the cross for us. But the but the God being Jesus being fully God and fully man, what you're hearing in that prayer is a is a lot of a mixed up of a lot of different things. Yeah, he he is um he's saying, hey, this ain't gonna be good. God, if you see, you could take this cup from me, but let your will be done, not mine. That's very important that we understand that because that is when we pray, it would be really great if Paul, I'm not going to speak to y'all, I'm just going to let God speak to y'all. But if every prayer that I, I, I send up to God, I would end it before amen to say, but God, let your will be done before mine. Because to be honest with you, sometimes I pray with an agenda or I pray to maybe take something off of my plate that I don't want to have to deal with. But if I would just go ahead and say, but God, just let your will be done and not mine. You know, it made me even think about it. It's not in the notes, but of old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they're standing there with, with old King Nebuchadnezzar and they're going into that fiery furnace. And, and, and he says, hey, um, you're going to bow down to this idol or you're going in this furnace. He said, my God can save us. My God will save us. But even if my God doesn't save us, he's still God. And that's kind of even relates to our prayer life. That, God, I am going to make my request known to you. I am going to seek you out. But when I mess it up, I know that you're still God. So here's the deal. So to think about this, um, he also, so when we're talking about why, the why of why do we pray, we also pray for the blind or the lost one or ones with the wavering faith. And I know you know, personally, there's been times in my life where my faith has it's really been wavering. And, 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 and sometimes you're just like, God, I need help. And it's, and it's so fun that he'll put someone in your life that can stand strong with you and pray for you. But look at this instance that, I, that God led me to to take out of the scriptures. And it's just a great example. So I'm not teaching the scripture as much as I'm using an example of the scriptures here. So Jesus is, has lovingly climbed up on this cross, right? And he's hanging there. And here's the love of our God. In Luke 23, 34, Luke 23, 34, what does that say? It says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. See, that's how great our God is. We could get caught up on the ugliness of that picture of some men throwing dice for the garments of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But I would rather direct us as a church to get caught up on the, the loving and the saving grace of God seeing brokenness at his feet, even in the place of hanging on a cross. Because what is he doing there? He's praying. What did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He's praying an intercession prayer. 
He's praying over people who are too blind and too lost to understand that God is there right above them. And in all of his compassion and in all of his love, he's still sitting there praying for the ones who are hurting him. I don't know about you, but I know that just that one little scripture messes me up to the fact that sometimes when people hurt me, a lot of times, just to be honest with you, I'm just going to share my heart. Sometimes, God, you need to get them out of my way. <laughs> I don't say I'm going to say smite them, but I might have. I don't know. I don't want to lie either. So now I'm kind of at this moral decision here. If I'm on, I'm thinking back, have I ever asked God to smite anybody? I don't know. So, dear Lord, forgive me if I have. I'm sorry. I don't know. But I know that my prayers sometimes sure isn't that. It sure isn't praying a prayer over the people who are playing dice for my clothes as I'm hanging on a cross. You know, people cut me off in traffic, and I told Barbara that I was like, I wish I had a really beat up truck so I could just kind of push people sometimes. And you know, and and I'd pray for them. God, please don't let them die, but let it be inconvenient. You know, let it be very inconvenient to them because they just aggravating. That's not me every day. I wouldn't want to pastor the church if that was my overarching heart. But I'm talking about those blips of moments where you, you know, you draw that picture of these men throwing dice for the clothes of Jesus. I bet these men love their kids. I bet that there was some kind of good gestures that they had through life. They weren't just these evil wolves that were just sitting there ready to kill and destroy it. You know, that's what we get when we see these Roman soldiers sometimes. Oh, y'all just got to be, you got to be heartless zombies to be as mean as we can draw and think of that. These were human beings that God created that didn't see what God was doing. And God said, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's an intercessory prayer. Then the supplication to have strength and guidance in fulfilling his mission. That we need God. Let's take it to the Psalms. Psalms 141, 1 and 2. I would encourage you to write a little note in your notes. 141. Go back and study Psalm 141. It'll mess your head up. But again, just to, to give a, 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 an example, listen to what the psalmist is saying. Oh, Lord, I am calling to you. Please hurry. Anybody ever prayed a prayer like that to God? Had a family member that's fading away and they said there's just a couple more days. Have a child that, that you just didn't know what was going to happen. Oh, God, please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you in my upraised hands or as an evening offering. I think that that God's got my heart into a place where I pray to him for people that are lost that I do not know. As hard as I pray to him for Christian or Barbara or Charlie or you all. What happens when I get so broken over someone that I've never met or someone who has cut me off in traffic or someone who is hurting me? And then I say, God, please come hurry. 
listen when I cry out for help. But to be honest, the church of America is so inwardly focused and it's all about us and it's all about our team winning. It is. It, I'm a Clemson fan. Boy, I'm quite disgusted with some of the people that, that I share orange colors with of how they were ready to crucify people and just be mean to people over a stinking game. And our words are so powerful. So when do we pray? You've heard me talk about why do we pray. You've, we've talked a little about now when do we pray. This is very, very simple. Without ceasing. We pray without ceasing. Listen to the first Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Hey, slide person, can we go back through that one again? Let's, let's break that. Let's put that first verse back up, that long one. If you want to start some verse memorization today, this would be a good one to kind of start with, okay? So 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Let's all say it together. Always be joyful. Y'all didn't sound very joyful. We're going to do it again. We can stay here till the cows come home. One, two, three. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. And you ain't got to say the last one. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So when do we pray? We pray when we don't understand. We pray when we do understand. We pray when we see God's hands moving. We pray when we don't see God's hands moving. We pray when we cry. We pray when we're celebrating. There are going to be times of hurt and pain. But I promise you this, that's when God builds character in his church. That's when God builds character in us. So understand that, that every day, is to be communicating all the time with our Father in heaven. To pray without ceasing. And how should we pray? We're going to humble ourselves, seek God's face, and turn from sin. Would you please put up 2 Chronicles 7, 14? 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It says... Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. I want to just take a second to talk to you a little bit about what's happening in that piece because that is a very, very huge piece of scripture that, that a lot of people say, especially church people, if you go to church meetings or you, you know, it's one of the things that kind of came around when everything was going down in America is that we need, and, and it's just 100% true, but so this is the temple that Solomon had constructed, and now they've got this beautiful temple, but they still don't know if God's going to bless it, right? They don't know if God's going to come into it. 
So if you just to go up to the, to the beginning of, uh, go over to 2 Chronicles 6, then go into 7, and it, and it said, and they prayed, and, and the little fire come down. And the Spirit of God came into that place in such a way that people couldn't even come into it. That's pretty crazy. I'm just going to give you a little bit of precursor here. Because of what Jesus did, because of what God did, because of what the Holy Spirit is doing, you're that temple now. You're, you're the temple of God. God lives in you. There is fire in you. There is, there is life in you. You were once dead to your sin, but you are made new now in Christ. And you are a masterpiece built by God. So when you, we read this, and it says, Then if my people who are called by name will humble themselves, you notice that the scripture says my people is the people that God sees as his. They got to humble themselves. Pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways. So if, if we're praying, but we're not praying with a humbled heart, maybe I do pray for that person that just made me so mad in, in the, at the traffic light or the person who texts through a green light and drives through a red light. Maybe, maybe I start praying for that person to be safe and for their family to be safe versus saying, hey, let them just get taken out of the way. Um, maybe my eyes see lostness a little bit different so that when I do have someone that lines up with maybe somebody playing dice for my clothes as I lay there dying, um, maybe, maybe I start praying differently when I see those individuals. Because I, I know sometimes, y'all like Chick-fil-A a little bit? So I got caught up in this Chick-fil-A game. If I get in the left lane, the right lane moves faster. And if I get in the right lane, the left lane moves faster. And I'm going, I'm always getting in the wrong lane, Barbara. She's like, yeah, I know. You just pick the wrong one every time. Man, I'm letting y'all know too much about me. We're going to draw these numbers down a little bit more. But... But maybe if my heart is there, that the person that kind of swung in front of me to get in that line for that biscuit that I so desperately need, maybe I buy their biscuit. Or maybe I buy the person behind me and just say, hey, you know, God is good all the time. I humble myself to be the least, you know. Read through the Sermon on the Mount. God, blessed are the people. Blessed are the people. And it was always the person that you didn't want to be in the world. Humble ourselves to seek God's face. So what does it mean when we're seeking God's face? I love the passage of Luke 9, right? That each day we got to die to ourselves to live for him. That if we pick up our cross and we die, that we'll surely gain our life. That's seeking God's face. That means that when we wake up in the morning and, and our first prayer to the Father is not, man, I don't know, fill in the blank. Y'all have a blank. But to be able to say, God, put my heart in a place to come to you. And we turn from our sin just because our sin debt has been paid for doesn't give us the right to live in it. 
So what are our obstacles? And I just have a list of things that as I was praying through that, that maybe you'll relate to. But these are some things that I feel like as a pastor and, and as God speaks to me, how God can work on me is that some of the obstacles are sinful desires. It's, it's to have this, have this desire that that's fun. And I'm just, I'm just not ready to let it go. That's an obstacle that, that hinders my prayer life with the Father. Oh, well, that's been paid for. Yeah, I know. But the more I'm staying in it, the more I, it's going to hinder. If, if not at anything, it's going to hinder my ability to even speak to God with openness. Selfish desires. It doesn't have to be sin to be selfish. Selfishness will lead to sin. Selfishness can be a form of it, I guess. But also, I don't think it's a sin when I kind of gas it up a little bit and jump in front of that person at Chick-fil-A. Um, but it's still selfish. Or, or maybe the grocery store when you're, you're bouncing in the, in the, at the Walmart. Who likes Walmart? I'll pray for you, John, bless your heart. <laughs> we need to we time out. We got to talk about why Johnny likes Walmart. <laughs> Boogeyman lives in Walmart. That is a place that will make you have a selfish desire. You run around on those lines. But let's, let's get serious. What about the lack of faith? Well, I don't have a lack of faith. Let the right thing come up in your life and it'll sure get checked out. But the lack of faith of understanding what God called you to do. I think sometimes we as a church, the, you, and I'm not talking about us, the small church here. I'm talking about the church. Um, the reason we say we don't have a lack of faith is because we've not put ourselves in a place where we have to desire and understand by faith. As long as I can stay comfortable, as long as I can have this, or as long as I can do this, man, and as long as I got my, my health pretty decent and I can hobble around a little bit, I'm in a pretty good place. But, but what about in the places of the world where they don't know if they'll live today because of their faith? Or what about the, the places in the world where only God would be able to keep their child alive because of there's no medicine? Or what about when... Your loved one is, is, is on a ventilator, and you say, God, is this your, your will be done? Is that, that's a hard time to pray that prayer, but God, your will be done. You know, I remember praying over Barbara last year, and in the last few days that she was laying in the bed, three weeks solid, she was really getting sick. And it hit me, my wife might die. And I sit there and I cried beside her in the bed. And I said, God, I know she knows you. She's so sick. Your will be done. And he brought her through it. And she's still going through it. But that was a harder prayer for me to pray that day because I had something that I so desperately desired that I wanted. And what God, I think, wanted me to see is that, yes, he wants me to have the love of my life in my life, but that's not nearly as important to him as the millions of people in this world that don't know him at all. Did you hear what I just said? 
Christian and Charlie and Barbara, as much as I love them and I'd gladly take my life or have my life and lay it down for them, I could say that I believe without a doubt. As much as I love them, that is nearly, I think, God said, they're mine. They're coming home. I have a place prepared for them. But what about the person you cut off? What about the person that is playing dice at your feet? What about that person? How, how are you having faith that I'm going to move into their lives? What about the person that is being sold the lie that you can live a certain way and be okay? What about the person that says that you can have one more way to the Father other than Jesus? Is that important to me? But our lack of faith to know that God, as, as, I, as I, my faith will show that if I wake up in the morning and I, and I pray without ceasing for this lost and broken world, more than I pray without ceasing that Clemson would find a way back into the top 10. And as funny as that sounds, sometimes that's my character. That leads me to lack of knowledge. The lack of knowledge. God is putting people in my life. That is letting me understand that the more that I love God, the more that I love his word. And the more that I love his word, the more that I'll understand the love of God. And that as I read his word and as I meditate on his word and as I pray over his word, he makes himself real to me. And his characteristic comes out. But having the lack of knowledge of the love and the presence of God in our lives. Which leads to this obstacle of confusion. The darkness of this world is here to confuse you, church. If he can get us confused, if he can get us out of unity with one another, he knows there's an opportunity possibly for someone not to get to hear the good news, not to see the saving grace. So confusion in our lives is an obstacle to praying to God and having our hearts in a place to pray. And the last one was fear. To be honest with you, there's just some prayers that I don't pray because of the fear of they might happen. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I got to go into Africa, I saw things that I never could fathom. And part of me wanted to go back and I never would talk to God about it. But the fear that he might send me. <laughs> Barbara looked at me like, you're not going back. Part of the, the fear to pray bold prayers. What happens if we as a church start praying bold prayers? God, let's, let's have a game, okay? This is a fun game. Love, serve, share, send. God, send me. Don't pray that prayer unless you're ready to pull up your bootstrap. God, send me. God, let me serve. Let me share what I have. Not just share out of the leftovers, but what if we ask God to say, God, I'll share everything you've ever given to me because it is not mine, it's yours. God, let me share with what I have. 
And God let me love. Not loving my family, but loving the ones who doesn't look like me. Loving the ones who doesn't act like me. Loving the ones who, who are, are totally thinking opposite of me. Those prayers bring forth fear to me sometimes. The fear that it just might happen. But God says, hey, um, if you'll trust me, I promise you I have a plan and it'll always work out better for your benefit than, yeah, but I might die. Yeah, that'd be better for you. <laughs> but I might lose my head. Yep, that would be better for you because you'll be with me. But that fear. So what can we do? And we're going to close it up. Is that we evaluate our heart and determine where we are at with God. So that's one of my steps to ask you as a body today, maybe this evening, maybe over a cup of coffee, maybe as a couple, um, maybe just in, in some quiet time. Ask God, Father, where am I at? Um, maybe for someone in here, do I know you? I've heard your name my entire life, but do, do, do you and I have this relationship with one another? Am I your child? And I'm certainly not trying to create any doubt of anybody's salvation in here. But it's a question worthy of asking because it gets prayed so rapidly in North America that if you just pray this prayer and say this, that you've got to be right. You're good. you got your fire insurance. Go on out and live your life according to what you want to do. Maybe it's, it's a thing where I was listening to a brother yesterday. He's talking about... Maybe you need to consider the cost and talk about the foundation of what's going on and happening here. Maybe we have to sit down and say, God, you know, if I am your child and I am to die to myself to live for you, what does that look like? So we have to evaluate our hearts. So that's one of the things I wanted to ask our church to do. Where are you at with God in your prayer life? And in, in, in having your heart, because if we don't have our hearts correct in, in, in praying to God, we could be praying for our temple like Solomon's temple that was beautiful and nice and all the people said, oh, what a beautiful temple. And, and we're trying to fill the temple up for the wrong way. But what if we get our hearts in a place to say, God, your will be done. And, and, a, and the sex thing on what we can do is we can wage war against sin. It's time for us as a church to stop making excuses. We have been given the power of the Most High God. That if there's stuff in our lives that's stopping us from being everything that God's called us to be, I tend to believe that God's a little bit more powerful than blank. It's just it's our willingness to let go of it, the blank. The next one is that we have to reject our selfish desires. There's nothing wrong with having a desire. God give you that emotion to desire stuff. But the thing is that we got we to gotta be mature enough through God's word to line up to see if our desire is God's desire. And if that doesn't line up with God and his word, that we have to have the maturity as a, walk, as a believer in our walk to reject that desire. Because that desire will end up like a seed, it will grow in five years and 10 years and 15 years. And sometimes like kudzu, even when it's too late, it's too late. And it takes all these years to get back in track. So 
learning as a mature Christian to take God's word and to see what his desire is versus my desire and then rejecting my desire. And the next one is being intentional. That we intentionally place ourselves in circumstances that will grow our faith. What do I mean right there? I mean that we can, as a church, make it where it's not comfortable. That it might be inconvenient for you to go serve 100, 150 kids at BCM Thursday. Or it might be inconvenient for you to walk and meet your neighbor across the street that, that been throwing trash out in their front yard all the time. And I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm just giving some examples. Please don't everybody get guilted into going to the BCM. But if you want to go, they're a lot of fun. They make you feel younger. Um, but what if God says, hey, I want you to go into what part of the world? It's not comfortable being used by God all the time. It's not comfortable being his vessel. It's not comfortable surrendering to the desires of your partner, your wife, your husband. So we have to make sure that we're putting ourselves in a place that our faith can grow. I like to say this when I'm getting to speak to some groups and having friends around me and pastors that if you can do it very easily and, and you're calling it from God and, and, and hey, there's a lot of things that I think we do each week that we can do on our own. But if the overarching thing and the vision and the mission of something is something that man can do or woman can do, we have to say, is that really... See, God works in things that we don't even understand how to do. When God says, hey, I want you to have places where people can live and get healed, he said that to me 10 years ago. I still speak about it like it's going to come about. I make pastors mad at me. Why do you keep talking about this kind of stuff? I was like, because God showed it to me. What's he showing you? What's he showing you in your career, in your job? Just because it's never been done before, if God tells you to do it, just move on it. You may not get to see it. I may not get to see what the vision of the Dream Center looks like. But he still gave it to me. And I can still be proud and talk about it and love it and try my best to go forward in it. And there might be a man or a woman that comes up to be able to make it all come about. You don't have to be the one to make the vision come about to be the part of the vision. But God's going to speak to the people that walk out in faith. So put yourself in places that will grow your faith. The next one is a, such an important one is to read God's word, but not only read it, but to study it. And if you don't understand how to study it, pray and ask God to put people in your life and humble your heart and humble yourself so that they can teach you and help you understand how to study God's word. Not everyone in this room are teachers. We're not all gifted as teachers. Pray and ask God to put teachers around you. And don't be so prideful to listen and be guided by that person that God's gifted to teach. But if we read, pray, and study God's word, it will knock down some of the walls in order for us to pray and speak to God. The next one is such a vital thing that God's saying to us is to place yourself in the flock. 
Fear manifests in isolation. Place yourself in the flock. Fear manifests in isolation. If you break yourself away from your church family, if you don't have a church family, I would pray that you go find one. Do life with one another because when we are isolated and things are going on, it's this fear that starts growing like a mountain that stops us and can paralyze us and stop us from praying the correct way. And what happens, we end up praying out of confusion and we're not praying in the line of the word of God. And we pray incorrectly. And then we don't understand why our prayers aren't being answered. And God's saying, but you're not, you're not even in my line. You're not even lined up right. You're confused. So we have to make sure that we can get into a place of a flock that loves us and wants to see us grow. And then be still and listen for God's response. I think that's one of the biggest things that we as a church can learn is that when we pray, <laughs> Garrett's back here probably writing on his little card, amen to Pastor Paul. I hope he heard that one. <laughs> be still and listen for God's response. He has a plan for us. So we can't have an effective prayer life if we don't have a heart that desires to bring God glory. And let me say that again. We cannot have an effective prayer life if our heart is not in a place to bring God glory and not Paul. A lot of my prayers are circled around my comfort, my, my ability to be able to have things, do things, go places, stop sicknesses. But, but if, if my heart gets in a line with bringing God glory and it's all about you, God, and it's not about me, um, then my prayer life manifests to bring God glory and it will change this world. So am I praying out of what I want or what God wants for me? Think about that one today, too. When you're praying, are you praying out of what you want or maybe or out of what God wants for you? Then in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, the, the disciples and the people around Jesus were asking him, say, well, you teach us how to pray the way John's teaching people how to pray and Jesus does it. Man, I know Jesus is the coolest ever. And I'm going to read this to you at the NLT. It's like, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And let us yield to temptation. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from evil, the evil one. Jesus took and simplified it so easy that any of us can have a prayer life. Resist evil. Hey, whatever I need in food and everything to bring God glory, just let him have it. Forgive the ones who have hurt us as we ask them to forgive us because we know we've hurt them as well. How cool is that? If we, if we have a walk in a church that looks like that, I don't have to have near as many meetings in that room in there. I'm just going to be honest with you. As a pastor, a lot of pastors' times is trying to, to get through quarrels and disputes and hurts and angers and 
Like, oh my God. Not this group. I'm talking about other churches. Y'all good. <laughs> I'm a, I could be the one sitting in there with the pastor. I get my feelings hurt quite often. Barbara rebuked me. She's like, that's enough. It's all good. You'll be okay. So, prayers of imprecation, when we ask for mercy. Prayers of intercession, when we're praying for something or someone else. Interceding for them. Prayers of supplication, when we need God for help. But that, don't get confused. That, that prayer for help is not just always in your help. It's in helping doing God's will for your life. So how are you praying? How are you praying today? Think about it today as you lay down tonight. What does your prayer life look like? Are they directed towards his will being done or yours? And here's the big question. How can we as a church come beside you in helping develop a healthy prayer life? Helping you maybe... I don't know what it is, and that's why I asked the question, but I bet you do. Do, do you have a hard time um, opening up God's Word and just reading His Word without a devotional and just saying, hey, I'm going to let this Word just speak to me through the Holy Spirit? I don't know, but if that may be the case, there's people in our lives that, that love to walk with people through the Scriptures and through through Bible verses and, and being able to pray and meditate on that. If that's a, or, or maybe it's just life is so confusing for you right now that you're confused. There's 10 million things going on. It's beautiful when you have a person that's a processor that can sit here and say, okay, let's list all these things and let's put them down and let's just now start listing them out on how God wants to deal with them and we can be praying for you and praying with you on how to unpack that stuff because we want to get you back and being a vessel that is pure and clean to be able to be directed towards God for his glory and his will. Does that make sense? So how can we help you? And, and it may be something totally different. But we want to be able to come beside you as a church and help you strengthen your prayer life. And the last question is, and you might want to write it down and put it in the box at the back. Because we sometimes say it so much, it doesn't seem genuine. It's how can we pray for you? How can we pray for you? And you might want to write that down on one of the note cards at the back and list something or maybe it doesn't even come to you today maybe you need time to process all of this and to have God to speak to you and then you might want to email me at pcrosby at rhdreamcenter.org or Garrett or or Don Perkins and one of them just somebody in our church that's an elder or leader say hey I, I'm really thinking through this and can I be communicating with you in that and so we want to know how we can pray for each other and hey y'all come up to me and say Paul how can I be praying for you and, and, and I, I, say, I might say, let me think about it a little bit more. Because sometimes I'm bad about just giving a quick answer. But is it truly what God wants me to be prayed for about? Is it something that I'm needing to grow in or learn and stuff? Amen? Amen. Amen. So I hope this has kind of helped. Man, the study on prayer can get so deep. And that's kind of like an overall thing about prayer. But it's so vital. We need to take it at a, at a, at a level that we can understand it. But, man, there's some great studies, and there's some great people who wants to even teach deeper on prayer. And so, bless you. But, but today, can we make a promise with one another that we'll seek God 
in how he wants to speak to us. Amen. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you move in here today. And um, Father, your spirit is the one that can open and move and open our eyes of our hearts to let us be receptive to your word, to prayer, to, to praying out of a mature walk, to maybe taking that step out of our prayer life that's generally focused on me or, or the things around me, but more of on you and what you're wanting to do. So, Lord, I, I, I need you at this church. We need you to speak to us, to make things clear that we can be more like you and less like this world, that we can be um, living in all of the ways that you have for us, God, to be able to bring you glory, to be all about your name, that you be lifted high. And, um, Father, I just pray that that as we, as we sing through this song, I surrender again at the end, that you would just speak to our hearts. And what do we need to surrender? What do we need to surrender in order to just grab hold of more of you? We love you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.